Father God, I just come before you. Lord, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for your kindness and your gentleness and your mercy and your love. I thank you, Father, that you designed the family. It's your design. And, Father, that your love is perfect. And your word is a guidebook to teach us how to have healthy, loving relationships. I just ask, Holy Spirit, please allow me to be your instrument today, God. I need you. I need your help, Father. I pray, God, that you would give me your words. I pray there'd be no extra words, no missing words. I just pray the power and the truth, Father God, to guide us into what is healthy and loving and good and happy and whole. So, Lord, we just look to you. We thank you for this instruction book, Lord, that just guides us through these things. And we count on you, Lord, to just reveal this to us in truth and power. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Today is Boundaries with Children, both minors and adult children. This is a practical way to apply them in our most intimate relationships, the people that we have to sleep with under the same roof and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just more complicated than friends and employers even. So um, this is family. So we're going to talk about children today. You know, we're, we're basing this on um, Proverbs 22, 6, and you guys have it there, but it says, train up a child in the way he or she should go, teaching them to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents or hers. Even then, even when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. So, you know, God is making us a promise, and I count on this a lot. Like, if I train Reagan up in the way she should go, I do my part, then when she's older, she's going to come back to this. And how often do we see this? You know, how often do we see people coming back to it? It doesn't promise that they're going to do it while they're young. That's what's interesting. It says when they're older, they won't depart from it. So, you know, we all see a lot of our kids kind of, get lost a little bit along the way and come back to it though. And that he's promised us if we do our part, he'll make sure they get, they find their way back. And that's such a relief, you know, to know. So, um, you know, I want to say this about boundaries because, you know, boundaries can sound like such a rigid, harsh word. Like when I think of boundaries, I just think of like, um, I, I hate harshness, you know, I hate like rigidness and I don't know. I just kind of, and, and I, I think the reason, one of the reasons I struggled so much in this area is because I really, it just felt so like kind of rigid and harsh. I was thinking of an analogy, but you know, the road, we drive down the road, we've got the yellow lines in the middle, the white lines on the outside, that's a boundary. And it keeps everybody safe. You know, everything in life requires boundaries so it can stay organized, but really for safety. I mean, the laws are boundaries. They, they keep us safe. It, it's safety. So when we're thinking of boundaries with our children, you know, we're thinking safety. The purpose of boundaries is to promote love. And if we understand that boundaries promote love, if we understand that boundaries promote safety, um, if we understand that if we will hold to boundaries, we preserve love, it helps us. It helps us understand why we're doing this and how to do it. And when we are enforcing boundaries with children, God gives us a lot of specifics. The main thing that we're enforcing is God's word in their life. That's what he asks us to enforce in their life is God's word. And that's the boundary line that we say, these are the absolutes. Like, we can't cross these. You know, other things we can, um, you know, compromise on or you know there are other things that there are that are negotiable let's say but God's word there are no negotiables and really the number one is the next scripture I put on there which is Ephesians 6 1 through 3 
Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother, which is really honor is very important there. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. You know, we want our children to be blessed so badly, and we have to understand that if we enforce God's laws, on them, if we hold those boundary lines with them, that it will, it blesses them in a way we, we, we are powerless to bless our children in the way God will bless them if they honor us. I was younger than a lot of my friends. And so I watched a lot of my friends, children's grow. They were older than me. I also had Reagan late. So there was like a big kind of gap. And I watched a lot of my friends, kids, and um, man, a lot of them were just so rebellious and disrespectful and it would hurt my heart like I would be defending my girlfriend with her children being like you know I couldn't be silent it hurt my heart for her because I loved her but you know I was saying to her I'm like you don't understand what you're doing you're allowing this in your life and it's going to bring death and destruction to them and can I tell you I mean you know now they're grown and I mean you know it's a sad sad story but the point is God promises good if we will enforce these, and also if you look at Proverbs 13:24, um, it says, "Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children are careful to discipline them." You know, I know that with my friends who have been kind of loose in this area, it's really because they love their kids so much, right? And they just couldn't toe the line. They just couldn't hold them accountable. And I, and I'm like, that's not love. You know, that is the point. That's the point I'm making over and over and over again about boundaries. Boundaries is love. But, if, but Satan tries to lie to us and make us think that boundaries is unloving, judgy, you know, unkind, you know, whatever. And when you see this and when you see the scriptures, you know, if, if you have to choose whether or not you're going to believe the scripture. But if you believe one of it, you've got to believe all of it. And the Bible says that you actually hate your child if you do not hold the boundary lines because that's what discipline is discipline is just saying here's the boundary and if you cross it here's the consequence that's it so you know the the principle and the purpose behind boundaries is absolutely truly loving our kids and the the horrible lie really in society is when we discipline our children that that is and we hold that boundary line that that's unloving and that's just not true um it it promotes their life it blesses their life Boundaries is a way of keeping bad things out and allowing good things in. And, and that's, it's a gateway. It's just a gate that we build our family around. Boundaries help us know when to say no and when to say yes. And that's what I'm going to talk about more today. Um, a lot of people struggle with adult children or older children, children at the age of responsibility. So I'm really gearing this a little bit, at least this part, really for children who are old enough to be responsible, which is really kind of like 13 up. You know, here God gives us this teeny tiny little seven pound, you know, what, 12 inch little tiny thing. And it's dependent on us for everything. And they steal our hearts and they, you know, it's like God takes our heart and takes it outside our protected chest and it's out in the world. And it's, you know, and we just love them so much. And, and it's very difficult. You know, the whole point of taking this tiny little bundle and, and launching them as a full-fledged adult is the process of, you know, understanding our yeses, our noes, what we allow, what we don't allow, making them become independent. 
it's a confusing process for parents because they start out so utterly dependent, and then you go through this whole process of them needing to be completely independent other than for emotional support, right? I mean, we now are completely independent of our parents other than emotional support, and really most of us are in the process we're now taking care of them. It's this graduation, and this is, it's so important that this be healthy because our kids can't be healthy otherwise. So the problem that you, you see over and over and over again and the problem that we struggle with is how much are we supposed to do? How much are we not supposed to do? How much are we supposed to be responsible for? There's a scripture that I think really helps us, and this is on your thing. It's Galatians 6, starting in verse 2. And it says, carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, which, of course, that's a whole sermon right there because how much comparison goes on. Then it says, for each one should carry their own load. Well, wait a second. The Apostle Paul, like in one breath, says carry each other's burdens. Now, is he contradicting himself? And then, Because here it says now, for each one should carry their own load. And you're like, wait a second. So I'm going to talk about this. I just want to read through this, though, because this is important. This is a lot of sowing and reaping. It's all about boundaries. This whole scripture is about boundaries. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. We are supposed to let people reap what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from that flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of God. I literally could just take this and talk about this all day. It's very hard for me to even know how to, like, boil it down because it's – so here's, here's the tension, right? It's saying do good to everybody that you can, but then each one should carry their own burden, their own load, but yet help each other's burden. So what is – and then it's talking about sowing and reaping. Each person is supposed to reap what they sow. We are not supposed to interfere with their reaping and sowing. Is this double talk? Or is this teaching as boundaries? And obviously it's teaching as boundaries. So, you know, carry each other's burden. There's a, so in the Bible, there's a difference between a burden and a load, right? So carry each other's burden. A burden is something that's too heavy for that person to do alone. Bigger than I could do. Couldn't do it on my own. Tried in every possible way. I did everything within my power to solve my problem. And there was nothing I could do. That's a burden. A load, we are supposed to carry our own load. Our load is our daily situation because everybody has problems and everybody has stuff they have to deal with and everybody needs to take care of their stuff. And, and we all know people, I tell you, you guys know that I'm a prayer and I can tell you there are people in this life who will wear you out with every little hangnail and every little blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that'd be your load. You pray for that. Have you prayed for that first? Go get a nail clipper. That's my suggestion to you. I'm just like, that's not my burden. You know, because they will wear you out. And here's the thing. And this is the thing about boundaries. We'll be, so, we'll be so exhausted by dealing with people's every little stuff that we will not have the ability to help with the big stuff that we really need to show up with. And this is our thing with our kids, right? Teaching them what is their load and what is a burden that mom and dad show up for. This is, this is the other way they end up entitled, obnoxious, full-grown adults are like, my parents didn't pay my car payment. And I'm just like, what? 
you know, all mad because their parents didn't pay the car payment. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, who raised you? Like, who? how did that happen? We've got to have, we've got to understand the difference between and teach them the right way so they don't end up entitled. So Ray went to a school where they only gave hot lunch a couple days a week. And so, you know, I would make her lunch and then she would forget it. And she would want me to come bring her her lunch. And I'm like, you get two free, I'll bring you your lunch a semester. After that, you're on your own. So you get two. I'll bring it to you twice. Other than that, you know, sorry, you'll remember next time. You know, because that's, uh, that teaches her the boundary and the responsibility. Guess what? When she started uh, having to not have lunch that day or get the emergency lunch that they have at school, which was disgusting, as she would say, which I'm like, thank you for having disgusting emergency lunches. You know, because if they were good, they would never remember. But that's how they learn. You know, you, you set these. So we have to understand the difference between loads and, and, and burdens. And we have, adult, we have adult children, if you will, who are expecting their parents to carry uh, their, their everyday responsibilities. And it's very unhealthy for them. They don't grow. They're stunted. And part of why we do that, part of why we do the whole situation where we, you know, take care of all this stuff is because it, it's hard for us to watch our kids do hard things. It's hard for us to have to have them do, you know, like when you watch them struggle. So Reagan has dyspraxia, which is a right-left brain thing, and she couldn't learn how to tie her shoes, and we had to go to therapy to tie her shoes. And, you know, it was so much easier for me to tie her shoes for her because it would take forever, and she'd struggle and blah, blah, blah. I was just, like, realizing I'm stunting her. I need to let her struggle. She just, I had to get her up 10 minutes earlier so she could go downstairs and try to tie her shoes because I've got to let this kid learn how to struggle. But, you know, and then when they struggle, they learn how to problem solve. She ties her shoes now without thinking. But, you know, the point is we have to let them problem solve. And we're not letting kids problem solve, and that makes them grow up weak. So now you have full-fledged adults who are very weak because the parents don't have the boundaries. They just, with small things, but the small things turn into the big things. Um, and so we have to let our kids learn how to fix problems because why do we know how to fix problems? Because we had to fix them. You know, I mean, that's how it happens. So we have to let our kids do that. Boundaries teach us to stop fixing. You know, and, and that's what we were talking about even with our other relationships. We cross boundaries when we're constantly fixing. We cross unhealthy boundaries. You know, there's a bonsai tree. We have a bonsai tree out here in our backyard that Dave is doing. And, you know, bonsai trees are full-size trees that if they're planted in regular soil, they'd be like 100 feet tall. But because, you know, but they're, they're dwarfed. And the reason they're dwarfed is because their root system, you wrap it around this rock, it's like really hard to do, but you, 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 you stop the growth of the roots. And basically what you do is you um, take away what's necessary for that tree to grow. So it's dwarfed, it's stunted. And, and we do that, I see that more and more with adults, especially children. But see, it starts early. It starts way back here. So then by the time you've got a full-fledged adult, you've got a situation you don't quite know how to do because they were stunted. And so now you have to figure out, which we're going to talk about, we're taking their opportunity to grow away. One of the ways we do that is we miss, I'm going to read what I wrote. If irresponsible and happy 
are incorrectly aligned, you know you have a boundary problem. Let me say it again. If irresponsible and happy are incorrectly aligned, you know you have a boundary problem. So let me explain it. I'm going to give you an example. So one of the books I read on boundaries that really helped me, and I'm trying to remember, it's called, it's called Boundaries by something Townsend. I, I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, I remember this example in this book. He was a therapist, and he said, I had this mother and father show up, and they were, like, really upset because their son had gotten kicked out of this college, and they got him into another one, and they got out of this college, and got him into another one. And so they were in there because they were really upset. He said, they said, you know, we just don't know what to do. And he said, well, where's your son? And they said, well, he's not here because he doesn't really think he has a problem. And he said, that's right, because you are the problem. This is your problem. Why is he irresponsible but happy, and you are hyper-responsible, very responsible, but unhappy? The irresponsible party needs to be the unhappy party. The responsible party needs to be the happy party. So we've got adult children who are completely irresponsible, but their parents are making it possible for them to be completely happy. Meanwhile, the responsible parents are completely miserable. So he said, would you like me to help you work on boundaries? So you can be healthy in this thing. And they were like, yes. And so he helped them figure out how to make him unhappy and them happy. And then if he wanted to be, act responsibly, then he could be happy with them. I ask myself this a lot. This is something I ask myself, you know, because Reagan is transitioning into a whole new, you know, she's almost 15. It's a whole new thing, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, so, we, so for, for grades, this is my thing with her for grades. She has to, so she hates it when I nag her about homework, and I hate it when I nag her about homework. So I've said to her, you maintain a 3.5. I will never ask you about a grade. I will never check on you. I will never, whatever. If you make less than a 3.5, you have to do an hour of study hall. Can I tell you the first time I put that rule in place, she got a 4.0 because she did not want to have to do an hour of study hall every single day, and she has maintained a 3.5 or higher every semester since. Prior to that, I was pulling my hair out. So it was like, what will make her unhappy? I, that's how I motivate her. What makes because she is not motivated. I she used, I used to wish I used to say to her all the time. I wish you were motivated by prizes because I like to give rewards. That does not motivate her at all. Only thing that motivates her is being unhappy. So I have to figure out what will make her more unhappy than me. Oh, an hour of study hall every day with me hawking over her. Did it. But I'm just saying we got to do the unhappy graph. So if your child is irresponsible and happy, you have a boundary problem. You need to look at you, and that's what we've got to constantly go back and look at. We have to be comfortable with our kids being uncomfortable, and that was something that was very hard for me to learn, that I needed to be comfortable with Reagan being upset and uncomfortable, and, you know, and that was, man, that's hard because, I mean, I'm a fixer, and I fix things for everybody, and it's my joy. I love it. It's like my gift, really, you know, to help people fix things. But I had to realize, you know, Steph, you're, not, you're making her life worse by fixing this. You know, it's important for us to let them be uncomfortable and be comfortable with them being uncomfortable as long as it's their load. Obviously, for burdens, we show up with our, you know, Wonder Woman capes on. An example in the Bible is the prodigal son. We all know the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son runs away. He says, give me all my money. I'm going to run away. He lived a wild life. He suffers the consequences of his decisions, right? And he hits bottom. And because he suffered the consequences, he realizes, I need to repent. I need to go back to my father. I need to straight. I, need to, I don't want to live like this. 
So it's all the sowing and reaping that it's supposed to be. But what we're looking at today is what did the father do? The father did not run after that prodigal son. The father did not run to that prodigal son and say, oh, you're living in the pig pen and you're starving and I've got to fix this for you. The prodigal, the father of the prodigal son stayed in healthy boundaries and waited for that child to come back in repentance and be ready to change. If the father would have gone and done it the unhealthy way, that son would have stayed in that terrible lifestyle. It keeps that son in that terrible lifestyle, but because he let him hit the absolute bottom and come back with total repentance, and we talked about before that repentance means I'm willing to change my way. Um, so because he did that, um, you know, there was the, the son was saved. That saved his son. Um, you know, things should not go back to normal with our children, or this can obviously be anybody in the family, a sibling, a parent, anybody. We shouldn't be letting things go back to normal until they've been made right. Um, you know, God has terms for reconciliation, and we talked about this last week, how, you know, he requires repentance and change. Um, and so um, when we allow reconciliation with no terms, we have a boundary problem. When you allow everything to go back to normal with just letting it just slide under the rug and not on no terms, you have to realize there are, there are warning signs for what our boundary problems are. And most of, you know, we like to think of, boundary, of other people crossing our boundaries, but we have boundary problems when we let that happen. And this is about teaching us to not let that happen. Um, remember, we talked last week that an apology without change is just manipulation. So when our children apologize but they don't change, that's just a manipulation. You know, God is very comfortable letting us know what he will and won't do. He's very comfortable with setting boundaries and having consequences. And we can't improve on God's parenting skills. I mean, he is our father. He is a perfect father. And there's no way for us to improve on what he's already, you know, what the example he sets for us. Um, we can look at God's home, right? We know God's home is in heaven. How does God have his home set up in heaven? He has very stringent boundaries. We know for, for a fact that there's an angel standing at the front door and he doesn't let any evil in. He doesn't let any darkness in. He doesn't allow, he doesn't allow people in that will go against what he knows to be right. He has strict boundaries on his own home. He, what he allows to be around his family, he's very strict about what he allows to be around his family. He's, very, he's got good boundaries. He's got healthy boundaries. Why does he do that? To be mean? No, he does it to protect. It's our job to protect, and boundaries protect. You know, we look at what, how God conducts his own home, and we're supposed to conduct our home in the same way. You know, what's wonderful about God is he'll always allow reconciliation, which is the story of the prodigal son. God's always willing to absolutely, you know, that father waited for that son. I love the story because it, it appears that maybe daily the father was going to look and say, is he coming back? You know, he had a heart of love. He didn't have a heart of anger and rage and, you know, you've done this to yourself. You deserve it. It's a story of forgiveness and reconciliation, but it's also doing it within the proper boundaries. And that's the whole point of this. If we're going to err on one side or the other, it's a side of having so much love, right? We have the heart to love and forgive like God. The problem is we don't know where that line is to keep things healthy. So under our roof, you know, we have to say, if it lines up with what God says in his word, 
then that's what we do. If it doesn't line up with what God says in his word, I can't cross that boundary. That's, a, that's an absolute boundary for me. You know, Reagan knows that for, you know, for us. I like to do as much as I can, you know, like what, if she wants something or wants to do I like to try to make it happen if I can. The absolutes are always, if it's not honoring to God, I can't do it. Can't do it because that is death to you. And she's not allowed to be disrespectful. I mean, that has just, I remember one time when she was three, she smarted off to my mom. My mom is what she calls her. Like, just, I don't, just kind of barely sassy, you know, like, but Dave picked her up, put her against the wall. He said, you will never speak to your grandmother that way again. You will always be respectful. But I mean, I was scared. I mean, he just picked her up and, you know, I, she's never been sassy again, you know, but the point was we taught her very young, you know, you honor, you honor the elderly. And, the, and, and by the way, once you grow up, honoring your mother doesn't mean, or father, doesn't mean that you don't, uh, that they can run your life. You know, there comes a point where you're now an adult. It doesn't mean you do what they say. It also doesn't mean that there's not dysfunctional things that you don't deal with, you know, that you don't say, hey, this isn't right. Um, it, so that, you know, it, would, it doesn't mean you're under the thumb of something unhealthy your whole life. It just means that you're respectful. But anyway, okay. So why don't, here are some reasons we don't set boundaries. We're hesitant sometimes to set them with our children. This is about children today. And a lot of times it's because we have wrong motives. If you have a wrong motive, you are going to have a bad outcome. So if our motives in setting boundaries are wrong, if they're selfish, you know, if it comes back to I'm taking care of me type thing, you're going to get a bad outcome. You know, we all know really sweet people who are really good people and they have these out-of-control kids. And obviously there's lots of factors that can go into that. But a lot of times we're like, man, how, how did that happen? Well, a lot of times it's because they just didn't have the boundaries. Or they tried to set them, but they didn't have the right heart, the right motive. You know, God, God tells us in his word, everything has to be done from godly motives. You know, we're going to get wrong results if we have wrong motives. A big reason why we don't set boundaries is because we just know it's going to be a war. We do not want the skirmish, the battle, the blood, the, the crying, the tears, the, you know. It's like, I just don't want to fight the battle. I just don't want to fight the war. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because we understand how important wars are, right? We know that we had to fight the war. We had to fight Hitler. If we would have let that go unchecked, the whole world would have been, you know, terrible, ruined, you know, blah, blah. We understand that wars are necessary, but we don't want to fight them in our most important and intimate relationships because it's just too hard. And if you don't set a boundary because it's just too hard, you don't want to fight the battle, I can tell you you're going to have Hitler take over everything. You know, it's, you, you, the, the reason that we can't, we can't have the reason that we don't set the boundary because it's just going to be too much of a war. We can't be afraid to fight the battle. Peace at any price. You know, it's, it, it, again, we, it, the ditches, right? So it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the earth. We want to be peacemakers. But peace at any price is the opposite ditch. It's a dysfunction. We create ungodly peace treaties ungodly peace alliances. I'm going to tell you guys a story. It's about Joshua and the Gibeonites. I don't know if you guys know this story. After all these horrible years of being in the desert, the Israelites are finally getting all the things that God promised them, and they're finally like, getting blessed, and they're finally you know, coming to the other side of this thing. And so they're taking the land that God had promised them. Well, their enemies get smart and say, God is for them. 
There's nothing we can do. So they show up and they, they deceive them. They, they show up in these old clothes. They have moldy bread. They have, you know, all this stuff. And they show up and they're just like, we're here from far, far, far away. This was all fresh bread when we left and our clothes were brand new. And now we've been walking all the time because we heard how great your God is. And, of course, the God talk. We're talking big manipulation is the God talk. That is a big, big manipulation. So they use the God talk on Joshua. And here Joshua is, I mean, one of the best leaders Israel has ever had. I mean, he followed up Moses. He was such a man of faith, such a man of wisdom. But he gets fooled by this stuff. So it gives us hope if Joshua can get fooled. But anyway, so Joshua believes the God talk. Joshua believes the deception, which, by the way, we can be deceived by our children. I'm going to talk about that. But, you know, when we believe it, we're held responsible for it. He doesn't stop and pray and ask God. So he makes a peace treaty, an ungodly peace treaty. And when he makes this ungodly peace treaty, they leave. And three days later, he finds out they're, they're, they're his neighbors. They're the very people that they're supposed to take the, the city. That's the next city they were supposed to take. And he's furious. And he goes to God. And God's like, you made a peace treaty in my name. Now you have to back it up. So it gets worse because... Now, so first of all, the unholy, the ungodly peace treaties, first of all, lead to them not getting the promises that God wanted for them, not getting the blessing God wanted for them. And I thought to myself as I was reading that, I'm like, how many, how many times are our children deprived of blessings that God wanted them to have because we make ungodly peace treaties? We make peace with something that God never wanted us to make peace with, but it's just easier than the battle, so we make peace with it, and now... We are in a situation where, you know, we're, we're now going to have to defend that because guess what happens? Five kings find out that, you know, Joshua has made peace with these Gibeonites. That's the people who deceived him. And so the five kings attacked the, Gib- attack the Gibeonites. So Joshua's like, well, I'm not going to go defend him. And God's like, you have to. You gave your word. Because when we give our word to our kids, we have to follow it up, Right. So now Joshua finds himself defending the very thing that's destroying, that's brought destruction, which how many parents end up in the principal's office defending their kids for things they shouldn't be defending them on, but they made peace treaties back then with something they never should have made peace with. So now they're defending something they should never be defending. It happens all the time in family dynamics because they didn't want to fight the war then. So they didn't fight the war then. So now they've made an unholy peace alliance and now they have to defend something that is really undefendable. What's great about this story, though, is, and we don't want to end up having to defend things that are destructive. And listen, Joshua screwed up because he didn't consult God. We have screwed up because we have not consulted God about a particular boundary issue. We've made unholy, unhealthy peace alliances. Then we have to go in and defend them. And you know what? God could be like, you didn't ask me. Now you just, you know, your problem. He didn't do that with Joshua. He gave Joshua one of the greatest miracles of all times. You guys have heard about the sun stand still moment where the sun stood still. Joshua said, would you just keep the sun in the sky? So because we're, they were fleeing and they were fighting and they were, and so the sun stood still. It's the only time that we know that where that happened. God gave him one of the greatest miracles. So I want to say this. If, if, if you've messed up and you've made an unhealthy peace alliance back when you should have set a boundary and you didn't consult God and you didn't, it's not too late. God's glory will show up. He will work the miracle. He will make it healthy. 
He, I mean, I, I can't believe that God is so gracious. But, of course, we have to repent. Joshua is like, I am so sorry. I will ask you every time. And God's like, okay, no problem. I'll fix it. You know, I'll help you. And so he helps them. And, and they, win the, they win the war. They win the battle. Um, so I love how loving God is. And, and that's, you know, God is the perfect father. We can constantly look at this. You know, the prodigal son, the father God, you know, when there's true heart change, we rush in with the love and the help. But if there's not true heart heart change, and by the way, Joshua never did it again. So he meant what he said. I mean, he really did learn from that. Another reason we do not make healthy boundaries with our kids is guilt. I spend a lot of time counseling parents. Counseling is actually my main ministry more than teaching, and it's what I love, love, love to do. Uh, you know why I love it so much? I love the Sudoku puzzles, you know, like you start and you're just like, how will all this ever work out? And, it, and then it all does. And I watch, that's what the Holy Spirit does. These family dynamics or couple dynamics or just a person broken within themselves. And it's such knots and it's so confusing and you, it's like there's no clear path. But you get into it and the Holy Spirit shows you truth. And you watch person after person and family after family and marriage after marriage. God make it right. So guilt is a big one for parents. And especially with divorce, a lot of divorced moms feel a lot of guilt and you can't parent from a place of guilt. Um, That has to be, you know, you, you, that has to be washed away or you are set up for manipulation. It has to be, nobody gets a perfect life. Nobody gets a perfect childhood. And we just, we have to move forward. We can't parent from that place. But a lot of times that's, that's a reason why parents will not set a boundary. And they're just like, well, I don't want to hurt them. Well, I don't want to disappoint them. Well, I don't want to. And I, I wanted this, one of the things that has helped me as a parent is to understand the difference between hurt and harm. Because sometimes the kindest thing you can do is hurt somebody. Harm is very different. So I'm going to use a dentist as an example. I hate going to the dentist. I've had to have a lot of dental work this past year. It's the most miserable thing in the world. It hurts. You get a terrible shot. Stuff is all in your mouth. You're, you know, it's awful. I mean, but it helps you, but it hurts you. But without it, your mouth goes septic and it can kill you. I mean, we now know that, that septic mouths go to your heart, right? So hurt helps. Now, harm is, harm is actually the pleasure that I might have had eating the, the candy that got me there. You know, the, the harm is actually the thing that I enjoyed that got me in that chair in the first place. So harm can be enjoyable. Hurt can be painful, but it's, but it's healing. And so we're saying, I don't want to hurt my kid. I'm like, you're harming your kid by not hurting your kid. You are harming them so much by not hurting them. And by the way, kids learn not to trust people who won't. Who won't. It's really interesting. My daughter... Um, she knows I am a very big truth teller. She also knows I'll do what I say and say what I do. So I've established that very, very young. I'm like, if you do that, I'll reward you. And I come with, through with it 100% of the time. If, I, if you do that, I'm going to punish you. I come through with it 100% of the time. My word is golden to her. And that's really important. With boundaries, you have to be a person of your word. If you're a flaky person that says, I'm going to discipline you if you do this and then don't discipline, or I'm going to reward you when you do this and don't reward your, your kids are not going to trust you. And by the way, they're not going to respect you. They will not respect you. You can't, you, because it's not respectable. You know, so that's the very first thing when I'm working with family dynamics, the first place I go is do you follow through with what you say you're going to do both ways. And I can't tell you how many kids, when I start talking to the kids, 
Like she doesn't do what she says she's going to do. You know, whether it's good or bad. You know, I promise I'm going to do this. Well, I got busy. Well, something, something. I've had things, emergencies arise where I was like, Reagan, this emergency has arisen. Do I have your permission to do this tomorrow? Because this unexpected thing came up, but I'm going to ask your permission because I gave you my word. It's very important that we are just as solid as a rock. I have a big thing about drugs. We were just talking about that before we started. I have a big thing about drugs because I've done, I've seen too much. I've talked to, too, I've done too much with parents. And Reagan knows that I, what I say I mean. And I started telling her before she even knew what drugs were. I'm like, if you experiment with drugs, if you do drugs, I'm going to tell you right now what I'm going to do. I will yank you out of school. I will homeschool you. And I will get a cabin up in the woods. And you will live in a cabin in the woods with me for a year. I mean it. I will do it. I, it's not a false threat. It's how I feel. I feel very strongly about drugs because I have seen way too many sweet, precious kids. There, I, I, and I said to her, it's because I love you so much. I'm not going to let drugs have you. So I'm telling you right now because it's going to be in front of your face and everyone's going to be doing it and it's going to look like they're having the best time in the whole world. By the way, I have the Holy Spirit on my side, so he'll always reveal to me what I need to know. I will find out. And I mean it. I, I, I will do that. If I ever find out, I, I'm, you know, I can't guarantee she won't try it because she has her own mind. But if she does, I'll be I'll be see y'all will have to come up in the cabin to visit me because I will be moving out of society. I will remove her from society and I will homeschool her and I'll be the worst homeschool mom in the, in the world. I mean, the worst, the worst. Uh, but anyway, so, but I'm just saying, but she, she tells her friends this. I mean, I've heard her repeat it to her friends because she knows I actually always do what I say I'm going to do. I am very, very adamant on that. So she trusts me. Her friends will say, does this look good? And she'll say, ask my mom. She always tells the truth. You know, I have a reputation with my kid. I have a reputation with my kid that I always tell the truth. She watches. I don't say something to one person's face and say something behind their back. She watches me be consistent, true, and honest. So she trusts me. And she tells other people you can trust me. And by the way, her friends now call me in the middle of the night all the time. I get, I'm, now, I'm now ministering to the next generation because they trust me. But you establish that that reputation now of being a person who says what they're going to do and also isn't afraid to say things they don't, kids don't like. You know, I had a kid in here watching a horror movie in my kitchen on a computer. I said, turn that off. That's absolutely positively evil. We love it. Blah, 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 blah. I said, no, it's evil. I don't have it in my house. You shouldn't have it in your brain. It's absolutely dangerous. You don't know what you're doing to your soul. You don't understand the spirit realm. That is very evil. Get it out of my house. It won't be in my house. That kid loves me. Now, I mean, no one has ever made her shut that thing off. I'm like, you don't know what, how you're harming yourself. But I'm like, but guess what? Some kids aren't going to like me. I don't care. This is just where it's going to be. This is, this is my roof, my house, my home. I don't live evil in. God doesn't live, live it in his house. And, and I, it's amazing to me how kids gravitate towards it. So I think they're hungry. They're hungry for truth. They're hungry for boundaries. It makes them feel safe. So, Okay, so guilt. I want to say something else about guilt. This is another thing I've done a lot of counseling with. Parents say to me, I can't tell my kids not to do drugs because I did drugs. I can't tell my kids not to have sex because I had sex. I can't tell my kids. I was like, I have a question for you. This is always, I'm like, what a lie of Satan. I hate the way Satan twists parents up. Uh, I'm like, I have a question for you. If you never brushed your teeth and all your teeth fell out, would you say, I can't make my kids brush my teeth. I'd be a hypocrite. You'd be like, you're brushing your teeth morning, noon, and night because I suffered from that. You know, if you dropped out of high school, if you dropped out of school in fifth grade, would you be like, well, I can't make my kids go to school past fifth grade because I dropped out. You wouldn't do that with any other thing, any other thing that's not good for you. 
You would be like, because I made the mistake, I'm even more adamant that you're going to do better than I did. So why do we do that with spiritual principles? Because Satan just lies to us and twists us all up. So I've had so many parents be like, I just, you know, I want to tell my kids don't do drugs, but I did drugs, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm like, how about just be a good parent? You know what that is? That is making our parenting too much about us. That's making our parenting how, our parenting isn't based on what we did. Our parenting is based on what God says. So if God says don't do it, then that's what we teach our kids. It's not about the, – the, 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 the standard is God. So we make it too much about who we are instead of who he is. Okay. Um, so when we are manipulated um, – I'm sorry. Um, so sometimes our guilt opens the doors for us to be manipulated. When we are guilty, then children figure out very quickly, grown children, it doesn't matter what age, they figure out very quickly – this is how I can push buttons and I can use this guilt to manipulate. And, and one thing I want to say about manipulation, it often masks the true feelings of a kid. A lot of times a kid will try to manipulate because they're feeling sad, they're feeling, you know, there's a lot of different feelings that can be behind manipulation. So first of all, we've got to pray that God will show us the root of that manipulation. That's like super important. But and, and then we have to address the actual behavior and say, listen, I need you to come in here and say, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm dealing with, blah, 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 and not allow, anytime we allow the manipulation, we actually, you know, obviously strengthen it. We give positive reinforcement for bad behavior, so, you know, we can't do that. I want to I give an example of, we talked the other day about the Good Samaritan, and we talked about how this is all, this is this healthy example, right, of good boundaries and how to help with good boundaries. What if, the Samaritan, what if, what, if, what if the guy who got beat up, we don't know his name, but the beat up guy, wakes up when he hears a good Samaritan saying, I'm going to go off and I'm going to go do my business and, you know, I'll be back and check on him. And what if the guy would have woken up and said, what do you mean you're leaving me? How could you leave me? If you were a good Christian, you would stay here with me. You know I'm hurting. You know I've been taken advantage of. You know I've been beat up. You know, if you cared about anybody but yourself, you would stay here and take care of me. And what if the Good Samaritan would have been like, wow, you know, blink, 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 eyes in the headlight, you know, wow, yeah, I do want to be a good Christian. I do want to help this guy. I should stay here. I should stay. So then he stays with the guy. He keeps him company. He makes sure he takes his medicine. He does all this stuff. And then he gets a call from the, you know, camel herder and says, uh, we waited for you as long as we could. We sold all the camels. So, you, you know, next batch will be in six months. The Good Samaritan gets furious with the guy. He's like, look what you made me do. My whole business depends on this. I, I, can't, I can't operate my business without camels. Now I've missed out on being able to buy my camels. You know, I, I, my business is ruined. My finances are ruined. You made me do this. I'm trying to use an analogy. What we got was an analogy of healthy boundaries. An unhealthy boundary would have been like the guy tries to guilt him into staying. He falls for it then things go badly, then he blames the guy. Then he's resentful for the help he gave. You know, we have to be very careful that the help we give is, first of all, healthy, healthy for everybody. can't just be healthy for one person. It has to be healthy for everybody. We like to be the martyr, and then we like to feel so bad about all the help we gave, and then we like to blame it on them and say, look what they made me do. They guilted me. I felt so guilty. I just had to do it. No, you didn't. You're the, problem. You're the person with the problem. You're the person who didn't say, no, I can't do that. I've got to go to the business, but I'll make sure you're cared for. You know, but, we, but this happens with every dynamic, right, in our life. But it happens with our children. You know, we feel guilty. Then we, get, we cave to it, and then we, there's a consequence for that. 
where the, somebody is harmed, we're harmed usually, we're usually the people who are harmed, and then we say, look what you made me do. And then we resent them for the help we just gave. So it's very important that when we are giving help, it's not because we're manipulated, not because the master of manipulation has worked on us, but if manipulation is working on us, it's our fault. We have a boundary problem. So we need to look at ourselves and stop pointing the finger. The problem isn't theirs. The problem is ours. And especially with children, it's their job to try to manipulate us. That's their job. Our job is to stop it. You know, I mean, kids are supposed to be kids. We're supposed to be parents. So that's their job. We, we, we're, we're not supposed to be even surprised or upset. There should be consequences for it. You know, I mean, you know, when Reagan would try it, I would just laugh. I'd be like, is that your best shot? That's the best you got? <laughs> like, that's not going to work? Come back to me with something better, you know? But anyway, um, when we say, you know, they made me do it, you have given all the responsibility to that child or that person. You have, they, you are now the victim. And I'm going to talk more about dynamics next week. I mean, next time we're together of, patterns of people who cross boundaries and all that stuff. I'm going to talk about a lot of that stuff next time, but you know, only God is supposed to have that power in your life. How could anybody make you who, how, who and you're letting a child make you and you're letting the child run the family. This is so unhealthy. You're not a victim to your kids. Where do you see that in the Bible? Like grow up, be the adult. Nobody made you. You made a choice. So you made a bad choice. You said yes to something you shouldn't have said yes to. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for them. Okay. Another, another reason we don't set boundaries the third reason is that we want our children's approval. And this is a very wicked thing. We, this, is a, this is very wicked and it's very hard because we really want them to think we're cool. We want them to like us. We want them to approve of us. You know, we don't want to lose something. I hear a lot of parents say, well, I can't enforce the boundary because I don't want to lose their trust. And I'm like, let me tell you something. You don't, you don't, you don't enforce a godly boundary, I guarantee you you're going to lose their trust. God can't bless it. It's not going to be blessed. Anything you compromise to keep, you will always lose. Every single time you compromise to keep something in your life, you will lose it. So if you think the way to get your child's approval is to compromise something in the word of God, I guarantee you it's a loss. You, you can't compromise to keep something. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but kisses from an enemy are deadly. And what that's saying is a real friend will wound you, which is what we were just talking about before, because they don't have their interest at heart. They have your interest at heart. A friend who's willing to wound you has more concern about you than themselves. They're going to say, listen, this is the truth. I know it hurts, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And I hope you're still going to like me, but if not, I've helped you. Uh, it says kisses from an enemy um, are deadly. And why does it say that? Because an enemy, they don't care about your well-being. They care about what their well-being. So they're going to kiss you to your face, says that they're actually the enemy. Um, and, it, you know, they'll flatter you, they'll kiss you, they'll do whatever, and then they stab you in the back behind, you know, we've all been there, right? But we can do that to our children. I mean, that's really serious. You're, you're, you won't wound your child because you're kissing them to your face because you want their approval. It's a selfish thing. It's a very selfish thing. So it's about what makes me feel good. I want you to like me. I want, I want my child to approve of me. I want that, so it's all about me, so I'm not going to be honest, and I'm not going to deal with this situation, and so it says you're their enemy. It's a very strong words, you know, but we think, and, and then we tell ourselves, well, I'm just too loving, I'm too kind, 
you know, we, we paint ourselves at these brush strokes of, you know, these beautiful brush strokes, and it's a big, fat, mean lie. It's mean. Um, so if we want to think that we're, not, we're being mean to our children, the way to be mean to our children is not to set a boundary that's healthy for them because we want them to approve of us. The fourth reason we don't set boundaries are feelings, theirs and ours. A lot of times it's about our feelings. But um, the more deeply emotionally involved we are with a person or a situation, the more we should not trust ourselves. Because, listen, you know, those little rugrats, they have our heart. You know, they have our heart. And so we can easily just melt, just melt into a puddle and so we're, we're this melted puddle, but we're not really doing what's best. Our, our child's feelings can be very erroneous, especially as they're young, right? They're, that's why God gave them parents. He wants us to parent them. So, you know, they can think, you know, well, you know, I don't feel like going to school. I feel like eating all the sugar. Well, I feel like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, we can't give in to that, right? Because what we feel like, I mean, I don't feel like, studying for three days you know honestly like we we don't do what we feel we do what we know we we should and that's our job to teach them but we're we're afraid of hurting their feelings we're afraid of hurting our kids feelings which again we don't want to be in the other ditch where we're some harsh rigid unthoughtful unkind you know we consider their feelings every place we can but we again we've got god's boundaries god has a lot of boundaries on how we're supposed to live you know the other thing is we don't feel good about having to discipline them. It makes us feel bad. My parents, my mom got into my diary when I was 16 years old and she, which I highly recommend. I think it's a very important thing to do. Snoop in your kids' rooms. They don't have privacy that's under your roof. Snoop in their rooms and read everything you can find. Make sure you're on their phone all the time. Now it's their phones. But my mom got my diary. She found out I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And she's absolutely right. I shouldn't have been doing it. It It's my 16th summer. They had just bought me a convertible. I was grounded for three whole months, the whole summer, my 16th summer. I never left the house. I wasn't allowed to watch television, wasn't allowed to talk on the phone, wasn't allowed to listen to the radio, wasn't allowed to, nothing, three months. And I have to tell you, that had to be very hard on them. I mean, it had to be very hard on them. I mean, I'm a mopey teenager. I am so grateful because that's the summer I became a Christian. I was a popular kid. I was, I'm type A. You guys know I'm type A with a capital A. I run every minute of the day. I never stopped. And I was, I had lots of friends and I had a full life. And all of a sudden my life came to a screeching halt because I was doing things that were not godly. And my parents were like, and, and my parents were like, we were afraid you might rebel. Like this could make it worse, but, or may be mad at us or might, but they were like, we don't care. We're going to honor God with the way we raise you. So they were like, we're going to, this is what we knew we had to do. And that summer, I finally had to slow down long enough to think, which I don't know if I'd ever thought in the first 16 years of my whole life. So I had to sit down and think. And I was like, man, if the rapture comes, my whole family's going up and I'm not. I knew I wasn't a Christian. And I became a Christian. And I don't, maybe I would have never become a Christian had they not been honored God enough to discipline me and ground me like that. And, you know, I, mean, I might not be here today. I, might, I mean, my whole life would have been different. But because they, they were willing to be uncomfortable, they were willing to feel bad that they had to ground me for three months, they were willing, you know, they, they did that. Um, we, you know, we, we and, and so they did it. And I'm so, gra- I'm so glad they did. Uh, Eli the prophet, this is in um, 1 Samuel 2, 12. He was one of the best prophets uh, Israel had. He was an amazing prophet. But he let his sons, Eli's sons were scoundrels. 
so the word of God says, and not respectful. And he was a very old man. He said to his sons, he said to them, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. He said, don't, don't do that. But they kept doing it. And he really didn't do anything about it. And so God came to him and he came to also another prophet, Samuel. And he said, I'm going to kill your sons and you're going to die. And your whole bloodline is cursed. And in one day, both of his sons died in battle. He, Eli was killed. His neck was broken. And his, his son's wife was in labor. She died in labor all in the same day, all in the same day. Why, why did that, man, that's a rough story, right? Why did that happen? It, it happened because Eli was a man of God. And here's the hard part. We can be very good people of God, but be very irresponsible with our children. And if we are, we do not enjoy the blessing of God. God intended for his sons to be greatly blessed. He wanted to pass that priesthood on to his children. But he, Eli was deprived of it, and so were his sons. So, so it's like this heartbreaking story, but God has boundaries, and God's a good father. And God's like, I warned you, I warned you, I warned you. And Eli's like, well, I talked to him. But he's like, yeah, that's not, so what if you talk to him? See, this is our society is talk, talk, talk. My husband and I joke about it because we always say stop or I'll say stop again. Like that's what you always hear. You know, talk, 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 talk. No, no, no. There are consequences. Um, I, I had a, um, you know, these pathetic little talking twos. I feel like they're more just to make us feel like we're pretend we're doing something where we're really doing absolutely nothing. This is the big pretend thing. I had, a, I had an interesting counseling situation. I was counseling. So this family came to me. Their son was smoking pot. He was getting up every night in the middle of the night, and he was smoking pot in the back porch. Well, the way they figured it out is because he started flunking out of everything. He started not having any social things. He started, like, he started hanging around the wrong car. You know, his whole life changed because it takes over. So they, they couldn't figure out what was going on with him, and then finally they figured out what it is. He's doing drugs every night and probably during the day or whatever, but that's what they knew about. So they didn't know what to do. Well, there was, there was they, they went to two, they went two places. They, they came to me, and they came to another woman who they respected in the ministry. And the woman who they respected in the ministry said, what you need to do is sit down and talk with him and have a talk and have a heart-to-heart, blah, blah, blah. And then they came to me, and I said, listen, you have to pick. I don't care who you use, but you can't use me and you can't use her. You're going to have to pick. So, because my advice is very different than hers. So you pick which you want to do. They said, we want to go with you. I said, okay, what you're going to do is he's going to have a cot on your bedroom floor. He is going to sleep on your bedroom floor until you can trust him. The door on his bedroom is being removed because the things he's doing in his room are unhealthy and can't be trusted. And everywhere you go, he's going. He is going to, well, can I tell you, within two months we had this kid turned around. He ended up making good grades. He ended up, you know, blah, 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 blah. The whole thing turned around. The other woman wanted him them to talk. I'm like, you've talked to your blue in the face. Like, why talk? Another talk? What a joke. That's not going to do anything. You consequences, you know? Well, What's interesting is we had a ministry situation where this woman came and her daughter came um, and her daughter had a child. Her daughter's a single mother. Her daughter had a baby. Guess what, the, guess what this woman's daughter does? She goes out into my girlfriend's garage, smokes pot, and then drives the child home, which was like very far, like an hour and a half or so away. And I'm like, yeah, no wonder that was, because that's all she does. Talk until you talk some more and then you talk and then you talk and then you talk. That's what we're doing in society. We're just talking as if that's like, so what? I mean, if my parents would have just talked to me, I would have been like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, when is this over with? I'll just endure this. I'll be respectful, but can't wait to get out from it. 
you know, it's about the consequences. And you saw the difference in the consequences in what happened with that woman's daughter and what happened with this family's son. And it actually, the son is now the glue that holds this family together. The son is like a rock in this family. It's amazing how far he's come and what God's done in him. So anyway, we, we just have to um, understand boundaries. We have to understand that boundaries protect. We have to understand that boundaries make them healthy, us healthy. We have to understand that boundaries are love. Unloving is to not have boundaries. People around you can trust you if you have boundaries that you enforce, that you follow through with, and that you're honest about, and that you're un- unapologetic about, by the way. But also, we're not rigid, right? We, we mold the situations. You know, we're not like rigid jerks, but we do have to know it's healthy. We have to know it's safe. And especially for our kids, we're responsible for them. So my last scripture is Proverbs 23, 13 through 14. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may save them from death. And it is true. It is life-giving. It's counterintuitive, right? You think discipline is, but it is life-giving. And so we have to have healthy boundaries. And it's our fault if we don't. It's our fault if they're, it's us. We're the people with the boundary problem. They're supposed to try to cross our boundaries. So let me just pray a quick prayer. Lord God in heaven, Father, um, thank you. Lord, what, we wouldn't know what to do. We would just follow our emotions, which is we just give them all the candy and sugar and whatever they wanted. Lord, we would just, we would just follow into giving in to everything they wanted because we love them so much. God, thank you for teaching us how to be a good parent. We know you are the perfect parent. And Lord God, we don't want to displease you the way Eli did. We don't want to bring um, pain and suffering on our children and our households because we don't give in to boundaries or we don't follow boundaries. Father God, so Lord, I pray you continue to give us wisdom. Lord, we want to be gracious and kind and not rigid and harsh. But, Father God, we do want to maintain your boundaries and not move an inch when it comes to what are your boundaries. And I pray a blessing over every man, woman, and child, Lord, listening to this. I just pray you bless them. Give them happy, whole, healthy, loving relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.